Good morning, LCM. Today is Sunday, July 26, 2020. The title of today's message is Double Take. Somebody say double take. Double take. See, God has called us to be on high alert from Wednesday night. means you got to take a double take here. You need to look closely at what God has given us and where you are in relation to that standard, to what the Word has said, to the basics that God is beckoning us back to that we might become these things. Now, as we get started here today, I mean, we're just barely getting started. So you better uh, loosen up and get ready for this one because it's for you. Let's make sure that we're all on the same page today. Got a slide if it works. If not, well, we're just going to keep going anyway. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Or somewhere in between. Here we go. A double take. You need a double take to see what's on the screen right now, don't you? Thank you, Lord, for help with the homiletic. It's all right. We're going we're gonna to handle it. A double take is a delayed reaction. <laughs> To a surprising or a significant situation after an initial failure to notice anything unusual. Things are progressing along and you're looking at it you're like, yeah, this is normal. This is, wait a minute. There's something going on here. A double take is a delayed reaction. That is a serious problem when you're talking about things of the kingdom. A delayed reaction because you initially missed the sign. You heard the call to be on high alert, but you kind of missed the actual implication, uh, implementation of that. But what happens is you had an initial failure to notice anything unusual, even though something significant is going on. Anybody ever needed a double take in your life? Anybody ever missed the obvious and it's going on and on and you never took a double take so you didn't know the significance of what is going on? I want to encourage you today, church. As one of your pastors, as one of the fathers in this house, we're calling you to a double take so that you don't miss the significance of what God wants to do in your life here in this place right now. Amen. Amen. What's up? I was just doing a double take on this lofty revelation that pastor was laying down for us. Thank you, Nick Aragina. LCM, y'all going to take a double take this morning? Oh, yeah. Look, we have been on high alert. Because we're getting back to the basics of what God has given us. The revelations that have founded this house. But you know what, Pastor? Speaking of double take. What's that? And noticing what God has given us. Oh, yeah. I couldn't help but take a double take. Okay. Of Miss Cassidy. Oh. On the front row here. Oh. Wow. Right down here, this little slice of heaven right here. Couldn't help but thank Jesus for giving me such a fine wife. Because you know what today is. Today's her birthday. Oh, yeah. So I saved it for the sermon because I wanted to take a double take in my fine bride. (laughs) Well, why don't we take a look at Ezekiel 33 now and say double take whenever you get there. I love you, baby. I really do. Ezekiel 33, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to your countrymen and say to them, When I bring the sword against a land, and the people of the land choose one of their men and make him their watchman, And he sees the sword coming against the land and blows a trumpet to warn the people. Where this verse starts is with the word of the Lord. This is the exact Hebrew phrase in Genesis 15, 1. Devar Yahweh. The word of the Lord appeared. It came alive. It became tangible and visible to Ezekiel. But there was a purpose for this Devar Yahweh. It's because God was giving him instructions of what he must do with what he's seen. Now then he goes into a title, a moniker of son of man. Son of man, speak to your countrymen and say to them, when I bring the sword against the land. What we see here is a direct tie that we see throughout the remaining of the word of God. That it's more than just hinting at the day of judgment when the son of man comes with a sword to bring judgment on earth. He is that Devar Yahweh in its fullest expression. 
So we're tying this idea of God making something visible, tangible, that is coming to bring judgment on earth. And it begins with the uh, statement or the word when. It's not if the sword comes. It's when. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Well, what this requires is the ability to raise up watchmen. Watchmen who know the inevitable that is approaching their way. Watchmen who will keep their eyes open for what is being made known and tangible before them. Well, what does that look like in this house? That we have the devour of Yahweh coming right before us again and again. It's instructing us to pay attention and to make watchmen. That looks like making disciples who are fully trained, very capable, very skilled, who are like Huram Habi and Bezalel, anointed to build God's house. Well, this particular watchman, he does a double take. So he begins to lift up his family banner. He is knowing rightly where he is stationed as a guard, stationed as a watchman. He is showing discernment. And then he begins to sound and blow the trumpet because he is already prepared for ambush and he is expecting victory. Even if the the enemy tries to do a surprise attack. The point of being a watchman that has received the Debar Yahweh is that you are ready to do a double take. And double take isn't just noticing something. It's not just seeing what is obvious. Being a watchman that does a double take is one who sees and acts. And acts with the power of God by sounding the ruach through the strength, the horn of God, so that all God's people can then pay attention and be ready to act upon what he sees. Are y'all catching what pastor's saying to you this morning? Man, this is the beginning of what you need for today. It is laying a foundation in your heart. It's more needed than just only seeing something. Yeah, that's the first step, but that's not a watchman's job. It's not just to see what's coming, but then to take action about this. Look at verse 6. What happens when this doesn't take place? But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh. To warn the people, and the sword comes and takes the life of one of them. That man will be taken away because of his sin, but I will hold the watchman accountable for his blood. Anybody ever have something that you wanted to do, but you just weren't quite sure how to make it happen in your life? You really wanted to do something, but you weren't sure what steps were needed to actually take and to make that a reality within you. See, this watchman, he sees something, but if you fail to do something about it, if you fail to move forward, then there's a problem. But look at what the word says. To war- when you does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes... And takes the life of one of them. Takes the life of one of them. One. Church, if you're a watchman standing on the wall and there's an onslaught of enemies coming, there's a battalion that's coming and you don't blow the trumpet. The Lord is concerned about each and every area of your life that you're not responding rightly to what you're seeing. If any one of them gets taken, if any one of them gets harmed, see, this is what the Torah is all about. This is what the Word of God is all about. It's about preserving life. But you can't have areas. I'm a watchman in this area. I told this this part of the city that they're in trouble, but I left a gaping hole here, and the enemy has come in something. Church, we are getting at it today. you got to have a double take. Somebody say double take. Double take. you got to recognize the significance of the situation and take action, or we're going to be held accountable for this. Yeah. See, Jesus didn't lose one that he was assigned. He cared for each and every one. He cared for every disciple. See, God has made us as pastors like watchmen. We're calling out. We're saying we're seeing things coming. We're saying we're seeing things in your life. And we're trying to make sure that not one of you is lost. That not one of you is unable to come and fulfill God's will for your life. Not one family is taken out. Not one person is lost to this. Why was Abraham chosen? Because he could lead his children and his household after him. He didn't lose one. As a matter of fact, the man built an army of 318 fully trained, fully discipled people in his household. Church, we have to do a double take today. We've got to both see and act. We've got to both recognize and respond. We've got to both discern and demonstrate what God is doing. We've got to both observe and then actually overcome in the areas that you are now seeing. Church, we got to do a double take this morning. 
Did you hear what pastor was sharing out of this passage? To not lose not even one. Not one disciple. Not one family. But let's bring it down to where it really counts. Not one person in our own home. Look, as a father, I've done double takes many times. I have four beautiful, gorgeous daughters. And throughout their lives, I have watched them put on several different types of attire. (laughs) I've been downstairs taking care of something, really, really focused on what I was doing. And I caught out of the side of my peripheral vision, one of my daughters coming down the stairs. And I thought I saw more skin than I anticipated to see. And I turned, I did a double take, like, oh, you ain't going to wear that outside of this house. Those are not shorts. Those are pajama pants that are only be worn inside your room. Girl, you turn yourself right around and you go put something else on that is more holy and modest. Your daddy loves you. Amen. Because I am determined not to lose one of the ones that God has put in my own household. I'd rather hurt your feelings now, but save your soul for eternity. Girl, go put on some righteousness is what I'm saying. Well, yes, a fine linen garment that goes all the way down to the floor. How about that? Well, it's not just the double take that's required for them. Let me share with you something very small, but it's been impactful for most of my life. That since the day I was born again, even up to this past week, the Lord has made me pay constant attention to very small things in my life. Now, definitely at my family, but he trains me with one thing in particular. Trash. Trash. And I'm not talking about like bags of trash on the road that get forgotten for two or three weeks. I'm talking about a little wrapper in a parking lot. A parking lot that I'm not responsible for. I get out of my car, start walking down, and I see that little bitty piece of trash. I look at it and go, oh, that ain't my responsibility. And the Holy Ghost goes, pick it up and throw it away. Mm. Oh, I did a double take. I looked down twice. I own this right now. But Lord, I mean, it's in, a, it's in a microseconds. I'm debating. I'm arguing with the spirit of the Lord. And I'm saying, but it's not mine. I sound like one of my kids. It's, it's not mine. I didn't put it there. This isn't my parking lot. Look, they're going to have a street sweeper come by later on the night. It'll take care of it anyway. Oh, my God, I feel convicted. And the more steps that I take away from that piece of paper, the more the Holy Ghost is knocking me upside the head. Double take, son. I want you to pick up that piece of paper. So I go and I pick it up and, okay. And then, I, like one of my kids, I look at my dad and go, now what did I do with it? <laughs> you throw it in the trash. That's what I told you about the first place. Well, next thing you know, I go, and as I throw it away in the trash, then I got to wrestle with another part of my heart of, Lord, why did you have me do that in the first place? said, because I want you to be sensitive to every leading that I give you. It doesn't matter what you think the outcome is. When I tell you to double take, you double take. What this is comprised of is take your stand. That's the first part of double take. Take your stand. There's a deep conviction that God is putting within our hearts about everything, no matter how great and no matter how small. We must pay attention to take our stand. The other half of double take is just to take action. you got to do something about it. It's not good enough to just notice that there's something wrong around you. You have to then act on what's wrong around you. Are you getting what Pastor's saying? To double take, you got to take your stand, and then you got to actually take action. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13. See, if you don't do a double take, sometimes you miss the significance of what's going on because you and I have assigned the wrong level to that. It's just a little piece of paper. No, it's not. It's about you obeying the king of all creation. That's not insignificant. Not at all. Yeah. When God has those little prompts, when you miss those times where he's talking to you and he's trying to direct you in the small things so that you don't fall in the big things, you got to do a double take. You got to both take your stand and do what he has said, taking action. Ephesians chapter six, verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, whoa, yeah, buddy. did y'all hear that again? That sounds just like Ezekiel. Yeah. Not if the day of evil comes, but when the day of evil yes. comes, you better have your armor on so that you may be able to stand your ground. 
You may be able. Mm. That's not even yet taking your stand. That's you preparing to take your stand. And after you've done everything to stand, after you've made your preparations, after you've heard from the Lord, after you made all the commitments that you wanted to make, after you put on the armor of God, then you need to stand firm then. Amen. What you must do at that point is actually take action and stand firm. After you've done everything to stand. After you've made the preparations. After you've gone back to the basics. After you've been fully trained. Then what you need to do is put on the belt of truth. Is put on the breastplate of righteousness. Is put on the helmet. Why? So that you can actually stand. Somebody say, take your stand. Take your stand. But what are you doing when you take your stand? Is it just you deciding where to stand? No, it's you standing on the very word of God in the very place that God has put you so that you, be, you can become immovable like the word. Come on, this is a church that we are raising up some men and women. But let me tell you, we need to learn how to take our stand. You've got to learn how to take your stand upon the Word of Amen. God. Not what He said somewhere back for someone else. You're saying, I know what you said to me, Lord. I know the house that you put me in. I've got to learn. I've got to prepare. I've got to put my armor on. Why? Because I need to stand then. Amen. Talking about standing is not the same thing as actually standing then. Amen. We're not raising a group of people who can talk about standing for the Lord. And then are moved in their heart every day as adversity comes against them. We're not raising a group of people who's going to talk about standing. I'm going to talk about putting on the armor of God. No, you're going to put it on. So then the armor is the preparation for you to stand and know that you can take your stand and stand firm then. Amen. You got to stand your ground. You gotta stand your ground in your thinking. You gotta stand your ground in your parenting. You gotta stand yes. your ground at the workplace. You gotta stand your ground with the calling that God has put on you. Man, how many people have a calling and don't just stand? They never take their stand. They only talk about taking their stand. My God, help us here in this place today to do a double take, yes. Lord, that we can take your stand. Say that with me. Take your stand. All right, go to First Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verse 13 and continue this thought that's built upon take your stand. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Come on, this is taking action. This is the next step in double take. You take your stand and then you're going to take action. And what does that look like? Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Christ Jesus is revealed. The call for this is to prepare yourself for action. Prepare to take your stand and take action. Do a double take. Well, how does this play out practically? Look, look, there are certain situations that shouldn't take you by surprise. Like your spouse's birthday. (laughs) That shouldn't take you by surprise. It happens every year on the same day. That's a good word. Amen. Yeah, anniversaries, what time you need to wake up to go to work, shouldn't take you by surprise. Oh, how did 7 o'clock get here so fast? You got to prepare your your mind and your watch for actions. Well, in a very pointed way, let's look at some other scenarios. What about when that family member contacts you? You haven't heard from them for years, but you know when they do, this is exactly what it's going to look like. Why do you ignore what that conversation is going to be? Why don't you instead prepare your mind for action? Do a double take. Be ready to take your stand and be ready to take action. By inviting that family member up to the standard that's transformed your very life. Come on, there's nothing new that you need to think of or what you're going to say to them. You're going to invite them the same way the Holy Ghost invited you. Invite them to that resurrection power that transformed you. Let's be honest, this isn't just family members. Mm. This is that friend that you've had. Yeah. That always seems just when your life is starting to turn in the direction that it needs to go, there's a friend that calls, there's a friend that reaches out, there's a friend that needs you. Why are we still surprised that at every moment when we're turning our heart towards what the Lord needs, that there's some distraction from the people in our life to keep us from fully engaging in what the Lord has said? Yeah. 
How is it that we're not catching that to take a stand and then we must take action? But I stood up, pastor. Yeah, and then you got distracted by the family member, by the co-worker, by the friend that is pulling you away from what God has for you. Yeah. We can't be surprised at these things. Not at all. Look, in addition to this, we all have hearts in this house to do something for Jesus. All of you are pursuing to do something for God. Well, something that is a certainty that's going to happen when you begin to do something for God, all hell's going to break loose. You're going to get punched square in the mouth, then chest, then mouth, then knees, then foot, then back in your face. It's going to happen again and again. This is normal in the kingdom of God. Why should it take you by surprise? But what you do is that you prepare your mind for action to do a double take. You are ready with the standards and convictions of God within you, which says, you know what? I'm going to consider it pure joy when I face trials of many kinds. My joy is already preloaded. It is ready to let loose on whatever circumstance breaks hell out on my face. But let me get more personal. Something that cannot take us by surprise is our own flesh rising up. Come on, those chain of circumstances that just push all the right buttons. Beep, 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 beep. And next thing you know... The nuclear bomb is launched. Your sinful nature is dropping upon earth. What do you need to do? Oh, I didn't know this was in me. Sure you did. It's only in the ball card. Did you look at it today? Did you seek and prepare your mind for action to deal with your very sinful nature and have the attitude that's prepared? You must die in the ball nature. You're going to die. And this is why. Resurrection power is at my disposal. It's at work in me now. Is it work in me then? It's going to be at work in me in the future. Resurrection power brought me from death to life in the past and is going to bring me from death to life right now. Doing a double take requires you to take your stand and it requires you that you must take action along with it. Somebody say double take. Double take. Come on, we got to do both of these things. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14. You're going to see throughout the word that there's an expectation that you have a double take. Say double take when you get to the passage. That you're going to take your stand and you're going to take action each and every day. We're not going to have done this only a singular time in the past, but we learn to have the attitude that says today, right now, in this moment, in this hour, this is what I continually do. In Exodus 14 and verse 13, it says this. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Nope. Well, that's a good place to start, isn't it, church? As many times as we see a man of God or God himself addressing his people, what he usually starts with is, do not be afraid. Sometimes we're afraid to take a double take because we're not sure what we're actually going to see. If I just kind of keep going, keep my blinders on, then I may not have to address that situation. Moses starts off where all of us should start off. Do not be afraid. Let's not predict your own failure before you even get started. That's a sinful, worldly trait. We are the children of God, empowered from on high, becoming fully trained, and we are able. Yeah, see, you needed to hear that because of the way you just responded. (laughs) That was the kind of response that says, we agree with you here, but we know that in our lives that we are afraid of things. We are helping you today by teaching you what to do in a double take kind of method so you can overcome your fear. So that you are not so afraid that you're going to mess up that you don't even try. You don't even speak. You don't even move. You don't even do anything because you're so stinking afraid you're going to fail. That's not from the heavens. That's from the very pit of hell and it's trying to stop you from getting a double take where you can take your stand and take action in what God has for you. That's right, and you know it. That's why you're sitting there looking at me. Do not be afraid. Look what it does. See, you can't even get in... Look at the next two words. Stand firm. You can't even take your stand until you take care of the fear. Take care of your fear, and then take your stand. Pastor, I'm standing. I'm just quaking. Then you haven't taken your stand. You're still in the fear. We're saying, get to step one here. Take your stand. Amen. Stand firm and you will. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. You're going to see it. Why? Because you've demolished fear and you stand up. God has told you to stand on his word, on his truths, 
based on the apostles' teaching. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Are you telling me that there's a point to our being spirit-filled so that we overcome some of these enemies? Yes, some are going to take a lifetime, but there's some that you need to put down and you need to put them down today. Amen. Always walking around like you'll just never really have victory. That it's some phantom power for the future. I'm telling you, there are enemies that you see today that you should put down that should never raise their head again. But you can't even get to that unless you get rid of the fear and stand up. Take your stand. My God, church, what is God trying to help us with today? Was there not a prophecy on Wednesday that said that there are enemies that you are dealing with that God is going to put down and put them down now? Then don't be afraid. Stand firm. Take your stand on what God has said. The Lord will fight for you. Come on, Mandy. The Lord is going to fight for you. He's going to fight for you every day. You only need to be still. You need to quiet your heart. You need to shut your mouth. You need to quiet your emotions and allow God to speak. Pastor. You seem to be calling us to action. And then at the end of this verse, it says, be still. I learned something. Because the Jews are much smarter than we are. The word in Hebrew for to be still, it's not related to the word that I'm about to share with you. It is the same word. It is the exact same word. To be still The exact same word is, it also means to plow. Let me put it in a different word. To cultivate your own heart. To get those stony areas out. To get those weeds that are choking you out. While you're sitting there, you're going to take your stand. You're going to cultivate your own heart. And then look at verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? (laughs) Take action. Yeah. Go do what I told you to do. I don't know. I, I'm, when the Lord speaks to you, take your stand on the Word and say, I will never leave this, no matter how much difficulty. I'm going to build a lighthouse because God put it in my heart to do. No amount of adversity stops me. Amen. No amount of opposition will cause me to stop and back down. Why? Because I've taken my stand and I'm taking action right now. Somebody say double take. Double take. Well, you know what, church? No student is above his rabbi. Let's go to Joshua chapter 7 and see what this looked like in his life. Joshua 7 verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up! What are you doing down on your face? He's saying, Take a stand, son! Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they, because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you, Joshua, anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction unless who destroys joshua destroys god is commanding him stand take your stand stand to your feet now begin to do something about it take action what does that action look like verse 13 go you're standing on the deep convictions you're hearing the word of the lord become manifest in front of you now he is telling you go get your feet moving Go do something about it. And go do what? Consecrate the people. Go bring them to a point of holiness. Remove from their lives what is impeding victory within the camp. What is impeding them from having courage and being overcome by fear. Running from the enemy rather than running to the enemy. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. That which is devoted is among you, O Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. What I hear in this is that you cannot be victorious. You cannot expect victory until you begin to do a double take. 
you take your stand, you take action up against the very things that are devoted to God and not to be within our own grasp, strength, and possession. What this looks like, though, is having sympathies towards things and people that God does not have sympathy for. That's stealing a devoted thing that only belongs to God. That we can't have more compassion than God does about a situation or a person. We're robbing God and our families of victory. We cannot have apathy sitting on our hands, seeing and ignoring. Or maybe not even just seeing at all because our eyes are closed because we're too afraid to open them and see what is really harming our camp. Oh, it's hard to hear from God, Pastor. Show me. How do I get to be led by the Spirit? The ceiling is like brass. I can't break through it. Stand up. Take your stand. Open your eyes. Look at what's around you. Look at your own heart. Look at your own household. Begin to take action and make it holy. Come on now. But let me say this. We can't make any excuses for ourselves. I cannot shift the blame to someone else. Something else is causing me. To be in this position of defeat and fear. I stand by taking responsibility. As the husband, as the father of my household, it's my job to take a stand. It's my job to take action and bring holiness to the household first with me and then to the rest of the members. As pastors, it's our responsibility first to do it for our households. And that's why we're preaching this to you. Come on. So that together we can have courage to go and run to the enemy and not run away from the enemy. We're going to face trial after trial expecting victory. But let me encourage you with this. Every single one of you, in some shape or form, you are in a position of leadership. If it means taking care of a family, taking care of a ministry, or even just walking your dog, you're a leader of some kind. And leadership is not free of failure. That's worth writing down. You're going to have to remember this. Leadership is not free of failure. But it is founded on doing a double take just like Joshua did. It is established by God speaking to you. Get up on your feet, son. Don't sit here and wallow in self-pity. And want to discover why this and why that. Why is an endless sea of possibilities. But I understand that leadership is not free of failure. It is just full of men who will get up on their feet and begin to act in the name of Jesus. Are there men in this house who have the tenacity, who have the desire and drive to get up on their feet and take a stand and begin to do something? Do you? Will you in the name of Jesus? Well, let me charge you with this. Don't just do it in here. Do it out there. Do it in your homes. Do it in your workplace. Have the courage to rely on the power of God to move through you and take your stand and begin to do something for the kingdom of God. Don't lose the beautiful clarity of what Pastor just gave you. Joshua was told to stand up. Why? Because he was wallowing in his failure. Yeah. When you wallow in your failure, when you wallow in the discouragement, you are not able to do a double take, to take your stand and to take action. Let's yeah. turn to First Chronicles chapter 11 today. Yeah. We're going to see a man who gets this right. First Chronicles chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 12. Somebody say double take when you get there. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, the Holite, one of the three mighty men. We're talking about a man whose name means God is my easer. God is my help. He's one of the three mighty men that are legendary to this day. We're talking about Eleazar. Verse 13, he was with David. Oh yeah. Don't pass up on this. Now, in the Samuel account, it's not quite as clear as what Ezra makes it here in Chronicles, that Eleazar was with the king in this field at Pas Damim, when the Philistines gathered there for battle, at a place where there was a field full of barley. Now, we're not talking about those nasty lentils that, uh, that some of you like. This, that's another field. That's Shama. We're talking about Eleazar in a field full of barley. Okay, just checking. Just making sure everybody's with me. That's all. did a double take. Did a double take right there. The troops fled the Philistines. 
But they took their stand in the middle of the field. They defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. See this man whose name means God is my help is standing with the anointed king. And what Samuel tells us is that he took hold of his sword and his hand froze to the sword as he was putting down the enemy. This man took his stand and took action with the sword of God. I don't know if you've ever had anything frozen in your hand. I've actually had this experience. Building a church with a hammer that Baj was there with me. (laughs) We were building in 119 degree heat. For 10 hours, hammering, hammering, hammering. I turned to Gabriel Stevens who was there. I said, Gabriel, take this hammer from my hand. And he was like a very respectful young man and he was waiting there and I was on the ladder and I handed it to him I said no Gabriel I can't let it go I need you to take it from my hand and it looked like we were having a wrestling match I was like I cannot get my hand unfrozen from this because it's been there the whole time and I wasn't going to let go Come on, if we can be men and women in this room who just hold on to the standard of God's Word until you're not even thinking about it anymore. It's just there. I can't even put it down even if I want to because my hand is frozen to this sword. It gets better. My hand is frozen to the sword and I'm standing with the king. I'm standing with the anointed king of all. And you know what happens then? I can take my stand. I can take action. And the enemy falls before me. Those men never get up again because of Eleazar being there. Man who stood up, took his stand, and took action by striking down the enemy. Now, just a little nugget for you. Eleazar is clearly a Jewish, a Hebrew name. He was a man who understood this. If you were going to say Eleazar's name in the Newer Testament in the Greek, you know how you'd say it? You would say it by calling this man Lazarus. You would call this man Lazarus if you were a Greek speaker and you would look at Eleazar and go, yeah, I know that God is my help, but I know that I also need the resurrection power of God, that I'm going to hold on to the sword. I'm going to stand by the king of the Davidic king and God is going to bring about new life. Can somebody say double take in this house? Double take. All right, go to Acts chapter five. We're going to look at some apostles that had their hand froze to the word of God and did a double take. Acts chapter 5 and 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts. Take your stand in the temple courts. He said, and tell the people, take action. Tell the people the full message of this new life. Come on, church, these apostles had their hands frozen to the word of God. They went from jailbreak to double take. Oh, come on. (laughs) From jailbreak to double take. But look, (laughs) look how this plays out. Come on, the reality, you're standing in their shoes. This is happening real day, real time right now. The Lord busts you out of jail. An angel opens it up, tells you to do a double take. Stand up on your feet and go tell the people the full message in the exact same place you were first arrested in. Even a dumb perp will not go back to the same place that he first committed his crime. But this is Holy Ghost resurrection power that's at work within these disciples. They go right in the face of their own fear by doing a double take. They stand in that same place. And what kind of message are they preaching? The full message. You know, they wouldn't be taking action if they preached a partial message. And the way that this would play out in any other circumstance of someone who is not doing a double take is that they would go stay in the temple court and begin to preach a lesser message. Watering down the gospel in fear of being arrested for a second time. Come on, the solution that the angel of the Lord gave them is go do a full double take. Take your stand in the temple court. Preach this full message. Because the full gospel can't be put in prison. It cannot be chained. It cannot be locked up. The power of the gospel breaks chains on men's lives. 
It is for those who are obedient to do a double take, though. To possess the power of the full gospel, you have to be obedient to the full gospel. Verse 21 says this, at daybreak. Oh, come on, man. They went from jailbreak to double take and now to daybreak. We just break in it, chains left and right. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach their pe- uh, the people. See, their obedience to do a double take at daybreak took them from death to life. And now they were able to help others experience that same resurrection power. Well, who needs a chain-breaking resurrection power this morning? Then you need to do a double take in here so that you can go out there and do a double take as well. Pastor, I love that story because they are not dissuaded in any way from taking their stand and taking action regardless of the results that they're receiving. Prison did not make them stop doing what they were, where they were told to stand and what they were required to do. How many times are we pushed off of what God said because we got adversity come our way? I mean, I took my stand, but now I guess the Lord is calling me over here and I need to take my stand here instead. That's not how the, that's not the way that this works, church. When God actually tells you to take your stand and to take action, no amount of prison, no amount of adversity, no amount of difficulty, no amount of seeming lack of fruit in that moment should ever make you stop from doing what God has told you to do and taking a double take. Come on, let's look at Revelation chapter 11 together. Revelation chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 4. I'm going to be honest with you. I've been honest the whole time, but I want to focus in on something is what I'm trying to say. You can get focused on a homiletic here and we're trying to call you to something. We're trying to move you towards something. But if you're missing the scriptures that we're saying and how they relate to your life, I want to make sure that we're digging in on this in just a second. We're doing fine on time. You're going to be all right. You're going to eat later. When we miss that God is highlighting in the book of Exodus that we cannot be afraid and fear prevents us from doing the very first thing that we're talking about today and be able to stand firm, you can't dismiss that. You, you can't dismiss the fact that these men got thrown in jail. Yeah. And you know what the Lord said? Yes, Lord. They're, they're listening. An angel comes in. He doesn't change the plan for them. Oh, poor little babies. It was difficult. I guess we can go give you something else. Congratulations. You did it. You stood up for me. Now go into a beautiful field with just, with just calmness. God says, go back and do it again. Yeah. Get out there and keep fighting. I didn't tell you to stop. I told you to do something. You better take your stand and take action. Well, when do I get to quit? When you're dead. And even then, I'm not sure you should quit. Because he might resurrect you and expect you to keep going. Oh yeah. Church, most of Christianity says that they take their stand. Says that they have actions and they don't produce fruit. They don't produce lives that produce other people like them. They don't achieve what God had for them to achieve. That's not going to be this house. No. But it requires that we do more than hear a homiletic, but that we start letting this word get down in our souls and say, God, I got to take a stand. Where is it that you've already told me to take a stand and I've done something different? I got close to it. You told me to stand here and I'm like, well, I can see it. You took your stand where God told you and you let adversity make you shrink back. This is just too hard. Of course it's hard. It's the kingdom. Of course it's difficult. Because it requires you to have resurrection power at work in you. Of course you can't do it. But you better get going and stand where he tells you to stand. And if you die today, then he'll resurrect you again and again and again and again so that you can take the right kind of action. Are you hearing me today? Yeah. I need you to grasp this with your soul. I need you to understand that there is a clarion call from watchmen here who are saying it's not enough just to see it coming. It's not enough just to be able to hear it and reflect back to us what we've said. It's got to be something that is enacted in our very soul, in our actions, that our hands are frozen to the sword that God has put there. Amen. That's the attitude that we need. Those are the actions that we need. Amen. Look at these two men in Revelation who understood this to a whole nother level. These are the two olive trees. 
Revelation 11.4 And the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of all the earth. Mm. Hearkening back to Zechariah. Hearkening back to other places. But these are the two men. They're the lampstands. They're the olive trees. They're the two witnesses is what we call them. Talk about a double take. These two men are standing there before the Lord of all the earth. You know what happens when we become a people who do more than talk about it, but we become men and women who actually take a double take and we take our stand and we take action. We stand before the Lord of all the earth. He is our only one that instructs. Look what happens in verse 5. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemy. Fire is not about the volume with which you speak. It's about the heavenly content that you have down in your soul from the word ignited by the spirit spoken in the right moment because you are standing before the Lord of all the earth and you are beginning to take action. When was the last time that you spoke with fire? Come on, man. When was the last time that you so took your stand that you felt empowered from the heavens? And fire came out. And those enemies that are standing before you, they got destroyed in the process. Not us. Oh, pastor, you're on fire today. No, it's not about us being on fire. It's about you being on fire. Yeah. Those who do a double take are able to stand and have the very fire of God come from their lives. This is how anyone who harms, harms them, I'm sorry. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. Wow. How are your enemies going to die before you? By the fire of God that comes from your mouth as you take your stand. Yeah. As you take action. These men have power. Somebody say power. Power. They're not talking about power. These men have power. Yeah. To shut up the sky so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. They have power to turn the waters into blood. And to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. Mm -hmm. Church. We must take our stand. We must take action. What happens when the actual people of God take their stand and take action? What happens when that is our enemies begin to fall? The gates of hell do not prevail against us. Gates are not offensive. They just stand there. How many years did I think about the gates of hell traipsing towards me and not prevailing over me? It's the opposite. I'm a child of God taking my stand and taking action. And I'm kicking them down. I'm going to keep kicking till the gates of hell fall. We've got to have the right attitude. We've got to take a double take today. Men who double take. Women who can double take. We're fighting the, the one who is controlling the kingdom of the air. The one who is at work and those who are disobedient. We're kicking down his kingdom. With fire coming from our mouths, the enemies are falling before us. This has got to be more than just a cry from the watchmen who are standing on this stage. It's got to be true in your life. Yeah. It's got to be true. Overcoming fear. Dominating the enemy. When we take a double take... We are able to take our stand before the Lord of all the earth and be empowered with fiery speech, with conquering lives, with heavenly empowerment in everything that we do. We're called to do a double take today, church. These men were hated by the world. Their death absolutely celebrated and they got to walk in resurrection power. Come on, that is our destiny and we're not afraid of it. We're taking our stand right where we Amen. see the word of God and we're going to take action in this. Somebody say double take. Double take. When you begin to do a double take, you then put yourself in a position to experience resurrection power. I've watched over decades how this house was built. And it was built with this same exact attitude. There was a men's retreat in 2006 where we made a hat and we share with everyone. There's a few still floating around. And they probably look pretty stained. But on the back it had James 2.17. And it said, let's talk. And more walk. See, the way that this house, your life, my life has been built is with a persistent and consistent attitude to do a double take. We're taking our stand here and we're going to take action upon it. How many testimonies fill this house that are testimonies overcoming impossibilities? 
It is too many to count. And I want to st- still keep adding more to it. We have those testimonies because year after year, day after day, we have done a double take to take a stand and take action. Let's go to Nehemiah 4 and read about God's people, God's families doing a double take. Nehemiah 4, 16. From that day on, half of my men did the work. While the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. They were taking their stand on one hand and they were taking action with the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. There are some kingdom fruits that result from doing a double take. I want to show you on a slide here. When you take your stand and take action, it's going to build unity. Like it was within the day of Nehemiah. That the families were coming together. They were unifying under the family banner of Israel. They were taking the sword and the and building the wall for the protection and preservation of God's people. Unity is what God is aimed at in this house. Unity is what God is aimed at in your house. When we are fighting for shalom, we are fighting to put into practice a double-take kind of attitude. In addition to building unity, it causes you to be in alignment. Just because you're in unity doesn't necessarily mean that you are in alignment. I can be of one mind with Pastor Wade, but I can also be stepping out in front of him trying to do what God has called him to do in that moment. That we have to constantly be sensitive to the position that God has placed our feet in. We're unified in this house, but what it requires is for you to get into alignment, get into the position that God has called you to be in, or... Stay in the position that God has ordained you to be in. There's a role that each and every one of you have to play. And it is critical that you stay in that alignment. And you do it by having a double take attitude. No, I'm going to stand right here. This is where God told me to put my feet. And I'm going to take action within this realm of what God has told me to do. The last result is that together we're going to build the house of God. Just like Nehemiah and all the families were building the conglomerative house of God there for the protection of God's people. And it's not just the house of God. It's the house of LCM. Every single one of you are needed to build the house of LCM because you have been already integrally involved in what this culture is. It's your uh, application of our way of life that has led to what we are experiencing right now. And it's not just the house of LCM. It's your house. See, ministry flows from the home, from your personal home, but also ministry flows from this home. And we're going to continue to see families build unity, be in alignment, and build the house of God. Come on, church. It's time for us to take your stand. you got to take your stand with an understanding of what unity is. That the way of life that God has put you in, you can't just be here and just like us, just stay on the fringe. We're saying you got to be in unity. We're not saying stay in the same place. We're saying have hearts that are aligned with the way of life. We don't have sympathies to different standards. We have one understanding of what God has done. And if He placed you here, then you don't even have to guess at what the standard is. It is right before you. Yeah. What God, where God has placed you is what you must engage in and have unity with what's going on. Church, you don't need a new revelation. You don't need something else besides what God has already given you. We gotta master what He has given us. We gotta take our stand in unity. We have to take our stand in alignment. It's not just enough to be in unity. You gotta get yourself in the right place. If Jesus sets each one of us in the body as He is pleased with, then you must be in perfect alignment. I kinda like Pastor Matt's spot though. 
It doesn't matter. Get in your spot. Get in your place. Get in alignment. The, the alignment that God has called you and your family to. Oh, see, isn't that where the fear comes in from earlier, though? Yeah. You're afraid you're not going to do it. You're afraid you're not going to measure up. You're just afraid, 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 afraid. And it keeps you from having and taking your stand in alignment. Your family banner is going to be in the right alignment. Man, me and my family have been revisiting that this week as we've been talking about fully trained and going on high alert. Man, we're looking back at it and going, Lord, may our family be the banner that gets to wave high. Look what the Lord did in us. We were miserable. We were awful. But look what the Lord did in us. You Amen. should look at this. Amen. Always looking back to the placement of the tabernacle to make sure that we are in right alignment. Amen. you got to take your stand in this house. In this house. God brought you here. God sent you here. You've got to take your stand in this house. Amen. Not on the outside. Not in the outer courts. If God sent you here... It is not a universalized place somewhere within the body of Christ. You know exactly because he sent you here to 10055 Belknap Road. You don't even have to guess at it. I can put it on the GPS and show you where God called you to be. I'm going to read the word of God to you about being and taking your stand. Look at Psalm 9212. I'm just going to read it to you. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Yeah. Yeah. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Joy, can you put this scripture up? Psalm 92, 13. I'm going to keep going. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. You want to learn how to flourish in your life? It's not for you to keep doing your own thing. It's not for you to think that, that you have it figured out and you're going to help us. Praise God. How about you master who we are and then we'd be glad to take your advice. Amen. After you master what God, where God sent you. Amen. We're happy to learn from you. After you master being planted and taking your stand in the house of the, God, of the Lord. Verse 14, they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Come on now. What? Little verdant life going on. Proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. Why do you have to conclude that with there's no wickedness in him? If he's the perfect father, the perfect God, and he led you here, then your only response is to take your stand in the house of God. In this house of God. Saints, what's required of us is to take our stand in these areas. But the other half of double take is to take action. See, we take action to build unity by immediately putting to death our Nabal nature traits when they arise. That's the first step in establishing shalom is putting to death, therefore, what belongs to your sinful nature so that you can have right perspective of what unity looks like. That then enables you to, put to, uh, to uh, take action and putting into practice our very way of life. Exactly what Pastor Wade was saying earlier. And combined with what are you doing to pursue discipleship? Are you just standing next to Pastor Wade and saying nothing? Are you taking action and saying, Pastor, this is what I was reading. What about this? What about that? Look into my life. Please correct me. Rebuke me. Train me. Teach me in righteousness. Discipleship requires you to take your stand and take action. But it's also this within our, our fellowship and community. In order to build unity, you have to take action to pursue relationships within this church. You cannot sit in your chair or stand at a distance and wonder why everyone doesn't come to you to ask you to go to lunch. You have to get up on your feet and move one after the other and go up to them and say, Hey, you want to go to lunch? You have to do something practical. Because fear cannot bring forth the kingdom of God in your life. Having a courage, having faith that says, I'm going to take my stand that this is the address that God gave me. A Holy Ghost position in service. 
And I am going to act on where God has placed me because this is my family. This is where I've been placed into. And I'm going to take full advantage and get to know everybody. Well, then that puts you in the position to take action to be in right alignment. You know how to purposely live out your family banner. It's not a competition. See, when you have a right relationship in unity, you know that your family banner can't be replaced. You will have many that are very, very similar. But because your heart is right with God and right with man, you know exactly who you are in the kingdom and you're not threatened by anybody else's accomplishments or confidence. That enables us all to rightly stand underneath our family banner and will exemplify God's ability to build this house. See, when we function in the role that God has given us, we are taking action for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And we operate within our, our placement. We see in our lives the very thing that happened in Philip's life. Philip was a deacon. He was the bottom of the totem pole. He was waiting on tables for Greek widows in the body. And because he was content to walk underneath his family banner, he knew who he was. He took action to be in alignment with God and man. God brought him to the point of being an evangelist, to getting to that fulfillment of fivefold ministry in his life. But he couldn't have achieved that if he wasn't taking his stand and taking action. And what this leads to in all of our lives is taking action to actually build the house of God. That means taking action to be discipled. But then the next step, to make disciples. We must be doing both at all times. And taking action to bring your revelation to the table. Bringing it out in the open for everyone to be edified by, but also to be corrected. That builds the house of God, that builds LCM, and that builds your family. We want you to take action to contribute to this body the way that God has empowered you to do so. It's required that we all take do a double take. Your pastors are not exempt from this. We're leading the charge. We're saying, do exactly what you see us doing. Put into practice what has benefited our lives and yours as well. Church, where do you need to take your stand today? You need to take your stand exactly where the word of God has directed you to. You need to take your stand exactly in the placement that God has assigned to you. Where do you need to take action today? Where have you been more faithful to say that you're standing than actually doing? You'll know when you are both taking your stand and taking action because you're going to see enemies fall before you. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. We know that this is part of the full gospel presentation of 1 Corinthians 15. But you got to stand firm in a way that lets nothing move you. How easily are you moved today? How many times have you come to an altar and been moved off of what, where God told you to take your stand? Look at the next part of the verse, though. Always give yourselves fully to the work of of the Lord. You got to take action. Amen. You got to take your stand and you got to take action because you know that your labor is not in vain. Yeah. It may even feel like it, but you know that you can't trust how you feel anyway. Church, we have to take our stand and we have to take action and we have to do it now. Amen. Stand to your feet. I love the fact that we're a family. That the blood of Jesus and his spirit has bonded us together. And as a family, we're going to do this together. But it begins where, where we were in Ezekiel 33, that the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. What we presented to you today is our experience with Devar Yahweh. His word becoming alive, becoming real. Here's the direction I want to give you that we want to give you of what to do in response to this word coming alive inside of you. 
Pull up Ephesians 5 and verse 13. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. See, if we hide areas of our life in shadows, it hinders us from reaping the rewards of doing a double take. As you come to this altar, bring it into the light. Let his presence illuminate what needs to be changed so that you can put into practice of taking a stand and taking action. And the result is that we will build unity. We will be in alignment. We will build the house of God together. And we'll continue to see one life changed at a time. So as we pray, make your way to this altar. Let's get our hearts right so we can then be filled with resurrection power. Mighty God, we thank you for your word that is living and that is active. Lord, the way that is sharp does a double-edged sword. Cut our hearts. Lord, cut our hearts as we drag it into the light. That what is an obstacle for us taking our stand and taking our action is removed. So that we can experience the fullness of who you are. The fullness of your gospel at work in us. Lord, let your resurrection power fill us. As we drag these areas into the light. As we repent. As we are washed. As we are cleaned and resurrected. Lord, let us rightly reflect who you are in us. In Jesus' name, amen.